Hi folks, before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to let you know some of the content on this podcast may not be suitable for some audiences. It's all in good fun, but we just wanted to let you know. Yo, 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 it's your boy, Engineer Jim, a.k.a. Big Tasty. Big Tasty. Yeah, it's Lil Mikey right there, rolling the hits with me on these jams, baby. The neighborhood is where we be at, and we on the ones and twos all day on K105K. Bang. Bang, bang. Boom, baby. That's right. The last jam was ratchet. But we gonna get turned up for shizzling this nizzle. We gonna be rolling on the kush. We got that new Jay and Dan fire that'll be making her done in the club. We gonna get your grind on now, baby. You rocking with the best. You already know me, Engineer Jim. Big Tasty. Big Tasty. And I'm sweet and sour. Okay, baby. Follow me on Snapchat at 2chillywilly19. And you can follow me on Instagram. You know where I hit that, Graham. And you can hit me now. We be working here on K-Bang 105.5. Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Don't want it in my eyes or my ears or my mouth. That's the <laughs> title of my book. My eyes or my ears or my mouth. Leaned over the pool, bent down, shat directly into the pool. There was poop from a diaper in the pool. Mm, still poop. These kids have problems, folks. Yeah, right back in that. Sh- Revealing your balls to nature will be freeing, and it might just help you be your strongest and fastest. Point is, Gabe Kapler wants you to get your nuts out in the sun. I've never checked any pornography on the internet. If I mess with that pure browser of mine, I would never do that. (laughs) (laughs) Traeger bomb. Peter Schrager in his pure browser. Absolutely pure. The internet is amazing. My erections have returned. Delicious. You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. This Sharpie's strong. Welcome Ooh. to the Jan Dan Podcast, episode 79, which started with a choreographed routine uh, with engineer Jim and Mike. <laughs> Mike was right into that. Yeah. <laughs> Big tasty. <laughs> oh. Here, I was going to ask you guys with air horns. Yeah. When you hear like mixes on the radio and stuff, they always throw in the air horns. Why? Yeah, let's hear it again. <laughs> yeah, big tasty. Is that, like a sig- is that like a signal like the party's on? Yeah, yeah. let's party, y'all. Air horn. We in the club. Big bro. tasty. Never yeah. do that again, please, Mike. <laughs> I wish Mike died. <laughs> Dan, do you think you'll ever just punch Mike in the face? One of course not. <laughs> Not a violent Why person. I? I'd fight back. You Although, are a violent person. Whoa, whoa. You are a violent person. No. Whoa. We just learned that about you. I uh, I almost got into it with a cab driver today. Old man Toolsy. So I flew back from Canada today. I had to go up. Uh, I was a uh, guest judge on um, 
Canada's smartest person. What did you do, Dan? We played a game. <laughs> it was kind of like Hungry Hungry Hippo, life-size version, like a real big version meets hockey. The name of it was called Blowback. It could have got a better title. Sounds a bit like a, like an orgy. Uh, so it, it was actually a oh, blast. That's a, that's a blow bang. <laughs> it was actually a blast. And your good friend, Jesse Crookshank. Yeah, she's was the host. host. You were supposed to be there, but you had a baby, so you couldn't go. So I got to go. Worked out pretty good for you. Got to go to the CBC building, toured the CBC mini museum, saw the tickle trunk. So many kids were touched. Oh, you can't <laughs> say that. Come on, it'll be fine. Well, I would no. just assume that. Okay, so anyway, I flew back. <laughs> Hi. Uber is a big thing in LA. Yeah. It's cheap. Cheap as hell. Well, it's the only way to get around. I live 10 minutes from the airport. You cannot get Uber to pick you up. Well, you could, but it's... It's easy. too convoluted. You can, they'll, they can drop you off. They can't really pick you up at LAX. So a Black I, can. Did you know that? Black or XL. Let's just pretend Mike didn't comment. So I hop into a cab. <laughs> I say where I'm going. He knows it's not going to be a big fare. It's a 10-minute drive. So right away, he's oh, like, he's, all, he's upset now. He's literally doing this. Yeah. And then he start, I'm like, he's driving at one point, 10 minutes with his blinker on, yet get, get mad at every driver. So he's like, ah. I don't know how you're supposed to make money around here. $700 a month I, or a week I pay in fees. Ooh. I see things aren't going well in L.A. for you. I'm like, that's not my problem. (laughs) So finally, I'm just like, can you just drive me home? What do you mean? Wasn't he driving you home? You were in a cab. I said, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear it. We get there. He's like, "Ah, $17. I'm like, oh, no. It said $17 on the meter. Then he says, that's $21. I'm like, it says $17 there. He goes, there's a $4 fee. I have to pay. I'm not making any money off this. I'm like, again. I said, first off. Wait, wait, wait. So did it say, like, that where it has it on the fi- on the cab thing, it says seventeen plus four is yeah. underneath. Yeah, and then it adds up to twenty one. No, there was no, no addition. It was just seventeen. 17. So um, a little scam going on here. Sometimes there's a like a base five dollar fee or whatever for a cab to pick you up at the airport, though. I don't know if that was. Yeah, that was included in the fee. It starts at four dollars. Oh. So we get to my door. Wow, Dan. And I said, Dan's cabin cash cab. He goes, there's not enough business. I said, well, here's your first problem. I said, that cab ride I took uh, to the airport on Sunday was $7 with Uber. He goes, oh, why did you take Uber? I said, I thought I'd give you some business. I said, secondly, maybe learn how to drive. Your signal was on for 10 minutes, and you were giving everyone else the finger. Hey, he was just making sure people knew he was getting into that lane. Wow, wow. And I said, (laughs) so... Best of luck and learn how to f***ing drive. And I slammed the door. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a bit aggressive, maybe. Nope. He's a complete wad. Whoa. <laughs> Toolsy. What if he, like, had friends or something? Other no. cabbies were like, hey, Dan, uh, I hear you're in that apartment. Come down. <laughs> we have some crack cocaine for you. And you're like, oh, that sounds good. And you walk out, boom, you get beat down by a bunch Speaking of cabbies. Speaking of which, I sent you a recon photo from my balcony. You know what uh, my wife calls Dan now? Neighborhood Watch. Dan O'Toole here. (laughs) I was out on my balcony enjoying enjoying a nice evening. And I look down and I see this woman get into her car. And I'm like, okay, she's not starting it up. And then she pops her head up and then goes below the dash. And I can see directly into her car, crack pipe. 
hitting the crack pipe, pops back up, hits it four times, gets out. Crack being done in front of my house. Do you smoke crack cocaine? Looks like you moved into a great yeah. new neighbor. Crack being done and people <laughs> in my pool. <laughs> what did you... Where, did you check, maybe, before you moved in? And we have to call a time uh, to the podcast here. Guys, this is exciting. Zach Zollers, who used to be a large part of the podcast, uh, he he's dropping off some records here. And it's Zach Zollers' final day at uh, Fox Sports Live. It's been great having you with us, Zach. Thanks a lot. He's moving. He's doing what everyone does. Moves from L.A. to Detroit. He's gone. We're going to miss you, buddy. We're going to miss you. Oh, I'm going to miss you guys. What are you going to be doing? Uh, I'll be working with Fox Sports Detroit, um, going on with the Red Wings, going to go on the road. Yes. That's pretty wow. cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty excited. It's the hometown team, team I watched growing up. That's rad. Yeah. It's not so no more Babcock, though, so you don't have to be terrified uh, every time you... Home opener, though, he's coming back with the Maple Leafs, so October oh, 9th. God. Tune in, everybody. Yes. What are you going to miss most about L.A.? Uh, about L.A.? I'm a huge golfer, so golfing all through the winter. Well, you've got two months of golf in yeah. Detroit. Yes. Yeah. Just about. <laughs> two yes. solid months. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I'll probably miss that the most. I mean, not really a beach guy. I don't mind going down to the water, but. So you're not like Patrick. You're the opposite. Not like Patrick. Not quite. No. You're taking Instagram when that first... photos of, of golf courses. <laughs> when that first winter storm comes in, will you cry? No, I think I'll be all right with the first day. It's the second day when it turns to just a really muddy color and it's just sloppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you got the trucks going down, just dropping the salt, and it's. Will you move miserable. into an apartment building where people smoke crack cocaine outside and people to the pool? Which I just moved into. I mean, that's the, that's pretty much all Detroit is. I mean, that's, right. <laughs> that's the truth. Hey, but here's the thing: crippling depression. So, yeah. but here's the thing: a lot, yeah. of, a lot of people are moving back to Detroit. Young professionals like you. There's a huge movement. Actually, a yeah. lot of my friends from high school and from college, if they've stayed in the area, they're no longer in the suburbs like where we grew up. They moved downtown. Big. South of 8 Mile. South of 8 Mile. I grew yeah. up on 13 Mile, to give you some reference. Only okay. five miles out, kind of rough. Right, right. You know? And and so, but I, I heard Detroit's becoming like the new Brooklyn, like artists are moving there. And... Uh, very much so. I mean, the last time that I was really home to see it, one of my good friends, her cousin just moved down um, as her and her boyfriend. They had a loft in... Literally, like artists on the first floor, like open galleries every. That Friday sounds like and... exact. That sounds like Dan's perfect living situation. <laughs> artists, yeah. open, yeah. open yeah. concerts. Yeah. Hipsters. <laughs> okay, we have we have two things we want you to do once you land in Detroit. Absolutely. Uh, say uh, say hello to our good friend Ken Daniels. Yeah, oh, the best. Mickey does. Redmond, uh, Ken Daniels, and Mickey Redmond. And we want Great an guys. update uh, once you visit uh, Chris Chelios's Chili Bar, whatever the hell it's called. Chelly's Chili. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Oh, and Trevor Thompson, too, I believe, is yep. on those broadcasts. Yes, and he used to work at TSN, a good Canadian boy, and he works down there. So, yeah. Say some good words too. from you guys. Yeah, yeah. Zollers, you'll be missed. You're yeah, one of the good ones. Buddy. Right? Thank you, guys. I'll That's miss you guys. Zach <laughs> So long. My time here is up. Zach Zollers. He just brought back. I just stopped at the record shop because my wife and baby are in in. Palm Springs uh, hanging out, so I'm alone by myself for a while. So what so did I do? You aren't I hitting didn't the crack hit, pipe. I didn't <laughs> exactly. I didn't go to the strip club. You went to I, the record shop. I did masturbate first, though. <laughs> at the record shop. No, at home. I I masturbated all over the house. The entire house is dripping with my semen. Look what I bought for our friend Kyle Libby here. Oh my God. Lover, Lover, Lover boys, boys get lucky. What's the hit on that song? Well, right off record. the top, Jim, working for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Kicking off side A. I saw him at Boston Garden in the 80s, like early 80s. So were they headlining uh, 
at, at the garden? Um, or were they like opening for someone? I, I think it was Rick Derringer, Lover Boy, and Sticks. Holy. I think on like the Grand Illusion tour or something. Too much time on my hands. Yeah. It's a Sticks. That yeah. sounds Anthem. awesome. Here's another one I picked up, Jim. Green River Credence. Oh, yeah. How stoned are those guys in that photo? I don't know if these guys did as many drugs as the other cats did. I feel like maybe Fogarty was a bit more, he was like a real like workhorse. He was just like, get it done. Yeah. He was watching everybody else smoke crack. They didn't really smoke crack. I recorded Skid Row at Fantasy Studios where they recorded that. Really? Yeah. Where? Where is it? Uh, in San Francisco. San Francisco? Yeah. Which Skid Row album? Uh, it was uh, B side. It was called Beside Ourselves. It was the B sides to the singles of Slave to the Grind. Holy man! Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do love that. The Doors' first album. How many are we going through? All the let's record. go through them all. A classic. <laughs> Neil, classic. Neil Young. Time fades away. Ooh, what's the hit on that one? Well, this is like he was like uh, I. I'm just gonna play whatever songs I want, and I'm not gonna play the hits. <laughs> There's a few I'm of not, those out uh, there. Yeah, I'm not playing the hits. Everyone here at the concert, there that's, will be no hits. That's how Neil Young was in the yeah. '70s, right? He was like, "No, I'm not playing. No, I'm not playing, playing something want. from the new album." Not CK happening. DJ Aftermath, <laughs> Rolling Stones, Paint It Black. All right, that's enough. Man, no, that, you, I'm like loving life here. This yeah. is the I'm gonna, best. I'm gonna send these over to Jim so he can look. No, he can oh, revisit. We, uh, man, I'm gonna send them over to Jim right now. Um, Credence is uh, one of my son's favorite bands, by the way. God, I love How them. cool is that? I, they never get old to me. Yeah, yeah they're, I love their big guys. hit, Working for the Weekend. Oh, sorry, wrong band. <laughs> now, uh, we have a great uh, addition to the Canadian Wall of Fame this week. Samantha B. I was actually surprised she didn't take over The Daily Show. I thought she would have. <laughs> no? <laughs> I agree with you. Dan O'Toole. I thought Silent she would have been perfect. Assassin. I thought she would have been perfect as well. I don't know. It's like, um, I guess maybe they wanted some fresh blood. Trevor Noah is coming in. Sam B, hilarious Canadian. What do, Now, doesn't she have a new show coming up on TBS or something like that? The Bee's Knees. With her husband, Jason Jones. Bees and Jones. Jones See, He's Canadian as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, nominated from Hunter Arabsky. So, Hunter Arabsky, we appreciate that. Um this week, big in the news, uh, I was reading stories. Uh, obviously, everyone knows about the Ashley Madison stuff. Did you see the stuff that came out today? Your emails on there? <laughs> there? There was like seven women on Ashley Madison. Seven out of what? How many thousands of <laughs> like men? Like 35 million. <laughs> Including that uh, Duggar kid. So seven women and five were horses. Five lady horses. <laughs> I'm a lady horse. Oh, but I'm not happy with my stud. Which, which, <laughs> so 20, mi- which <laughs> 20 million of the guys would probably be into. <laughs> hey, fellas, you like your lady horses? <laughs> my name's Bessie. Come get some in the stable. I'm just a pig farmer from Peterborough. So that company's done, right? How would the horse <laughs> how would the horse use the keyboard to sign up for <laughs> Ashley Madison? That would be impossible. <laughs> no. Maybe it, it could use Surrey. 
Is it Surrey or Surrey? Surrey. 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 Not like Surrey, B.C.? You're going surfing on the internet. What is it? Seer. Siri. Siri? Siri. S-I-R-I. Siri. Siri. Siri, I'm a horse, (laughs) and I'd like to sign up for Ashley Madison. (laughs) Tell me more, horse. You'd like to sign up for Ashley Madison? Yes, I'd like to get by different horses. Not the horse I decided to marry. Thank you, Siri. <laughs> uh, Samantha Bee's show is on TBS, and it is. What's is it, it a sitcom? Uh, she's got a few things going on, but it looks like it's called Game I don't on. trust your uh, Google skills, because last <laughs> this week... This is IMDb. Last week, you IMDb. really blew it. Yeah, well, With the Linkin Park stuff? I was right about that. The Linkin yeah, Park yeah. lead singer. We, we gave you yeah. one guy, not the other guy. Pardon? No, no, no. He, the first guy we checked out didn't wasn't in the band. Mike Shinoda, right? Yeah, no, Shinoda, I, but you were talking about Chester Bennington. Yeah, Chester Bennington. Cut me off after yeah. that. No, yeah. you said it's not here. Dan, it's not that never, guy. Dan would never cut you off, Mike. So that, I was correct. Happen. The Lincoln Park lead singer is the not new here. lead yeah, singer of of who? SDP, Stone, Peb- Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, kind of like those cats. Yeah. And um, everyone was shocked that I got a musical question right. <laughs> they should be. Um, Lil Sketch. Now, I, I believe we have a little bit of of my early work. We again. do. What? This isn't like stand-up comedy or anything. This is more early. So I think this, this is, is uh, from global. My, my first ever job on air, my first ever paid job at Global Saskatoon. Wait, what's the update on you and Kenny on right? Have you guys connected, reconnected? Kenny and I are slowly starting to reconnect. It's like a father who walked out on his children. It doesn't all come back at once. And uh, we had coffee together. We hung out. We both signed up for Ashley Madison with a few horses. <laughs> and hopefully the relationship will, will prosper. How's Kenny looking? He's f- horrible. <laughs> you know, he, he looks like that cab driver you told to f- off. He was a complete f- Yeah. Who drives like it? Guy. Who gets a fare in the other time? <sighs> 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 Yeah, don't drive a cab then. Exactly. Uh, okay. $700 a week in fees? F*** off. It might be. Medallion. All right. Let's do it. Gather round, children. It's time for another installment of the early works of Jay Onright. Oh, oh nice. bollocks. It's not where he plays with his willy and all that, is it? <laughs> Who voiced that? <laughs> Jim. It's uh, Sally. Sally Salmita. She works in VizOps here. That was really Great good. voice. That was really, really good. Well done. I, I like was... that. I like all the stuff. Can we play that one more time? I like all the stuff at the end. Thought you'd never ask. Gather round, children. It's time for another installment of the early works of Jay Onright. Oh, bollocks. It's not where he plays with his willy and all that, is it? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like... (laughs) Those are the noises from you can't do that on television, it sounds like. Yeah, maybe. Moose? I would eat at his diner. Hey, Moose? Okay, let's... So, uh, here we go. Whoa. 
Oh. Tonight on an all new episode of Sportsline. <laughs> the Yankees Stop. trying to take the Stop. Stop. Three games. Stop. Did this go to television? <laughs> oh, yes. We uh, rack it back. Rack that back. I'll let it play through. I'll let it play through. It was, yeah, this was absolutely 100% a television show that went to air in 1998, the fall of 1998, on Global Saskatoon. Tonight, on an all-new episode of Sportsline, the Yankees trying to take a commanding three games to none lead in the World Series against the Padres in San Diego. The Blades are at home trying to rain on the Thunderbirds parade and rejoice, Habs fans. Your spiritual leader, Dick Urban, will be in town tomorrow. All this and more on Sportsline. We never go into reruns. We're on next. Ooh. That was better. Tonight. Warm greetings to all. Welcome to Sports Line. I'm Jay Tonight on the show, Mark Messier looks for goal number 600 against the Hurricanes. The Oilers are no longer weightless Slow it against down the Rangers. Right. And Sammy Sosa returns to his homeland a hero. But first, Game 3 of the World Series between the Yankees and the Padres. Well, since going down two games to none in the Fall Classic, people have been wondering what is wrong with San Diego's pitching staff. Neither Kevin Brown nor Andy Ashby could get it done against the Yankees. So Bruce Bochy is calling on a former Yankee. Can we see some highlights, Jay? Against the Bronx Bombers. <laughs> Sterling Hitchcock had the start for the Padres in Game 3, a game San Diego <laughs> needed to win at home. First batter in this home. game, Chuck Knobloch. <laughs> Flair to center field. Steve Finley will slide, bobble, and juggle, and do a few more things, but he holds on and makes a great catch. Top of second. <laughs> Sterling Hitchcock, he gets Bernie Sterling Williams Hitchcock. looking on the inside, but... Well, Bernie doesn't quite agree. Doesn't matter. Still in the second. It's Scott Grocious. <laughs> he sends another one to center. Finley gets a late jump, but he recovers in time to make a great catch against the wall. It's still scoreless. David Cohn on the mound for I the like Yankees. Time to the subliminal scoreboard. Oh, it's gone. There it is. I'll quiz you later. There's Cohn getting Chris <laughs> Gomez in the hey, third. Right? Fifth inning. Cohn gets Finley. Swing at strike three. Check out the behind the plate shot. Cohn with a no hitter through five. Beautiful. Top Cohn. of six. Hitchcock's in trouble. Bases loaded facing Williams. But oh! It's Williams. The swing is strike three. He's out of a jam. Cone's still with a no-hitter until the sixth, until Hitchcock, of all people, breaks it up. Single to right center with starter rally. How long were these highlights? Tony Gwynn at the dish. Nothing else going on. He lines one to right. Paul O'Neill. Well, he'd come up throwing, but he mistakes Don Zimmer's head for home plate and throws it into the Yankee dugout or something. I'm really not sure what he was doing there. Two San Diego. What if I wrote that? Players. If that was an ad. Two nothing for the Padres. Same inning. It's Caminiti at the dish, and he drives one to center. Steroids. Bernie yeah, Williams no, on his horse. He makes no a nice over the so shoulder catch, but Gwynn. Well, he'd score on the play, and it's three nothing for the Padres. But then Scott Brosha says, "Time to make the donuts." He gets oh his own for the Yankees. It's a what? solo shot to left. <laughs> That oh, cuts the lead to 3-1. That to was one. my catchphrase, Same I inning guess. Chili Davis. He hits a grounder. It's a botched infield play. Shane Spencer would score, and it's now 3-2. Eighth inning, Trevor Hoffman comes this. in to close it out. But this Bells, time, Brocious says, boom, banging in your area. It's a three-run <laughs> shot to straightaway center. Go banging in yeah, your area? 5-3 for boom, the New bang. York Yankees. And, yes, they would hold on for a 5-4 game three victory. Ooh. Game four Very going nice. tomorrow. The Yankees can wrap it all up with Andy Pettit on the mound. He will probably face a flu-ridden Remember Kevin the Brown. But David Cohn says, "San Diego, I forgot all about those." Well, that was rough. Woo. Tonight, you can we re- just see the opening one yeah, more time? You really over-enunciated the first uh, ten seconds of that. Uh, yeah, I, I really 
the, this whole video peaked at the opening. Nice and, hair. And you have spans your spiritual no, no, leader. No, you go all the way back. And then you described everything that was coming on the show after you just did it in the headlines. <laughs> there it is. Listen to that music. Tonight on an all-new episode of Sportsline, the Yankees <laughs> trying to take the commanding three games to not okay, the World Series against. Thanks, we have to buddy. clip that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was cool. So that was in where again? I'd be Saskatoon '98. Hmm. Oh God! Ladies lining up at the studio door after you saw that broadcast. Yeah, I'd head to the pad afterward and just be like, "Who wants to f- this?" <laughs> yeah, you just saw me on Sportsline. Who Tonight? wants to suck on my balls? Tonight, I'm going to make love to you. Who wants to f- Saskatoon? That's not what was happening. That was gold. Wow. We can't, I can't wait to revisit that. Uh, speaking of Saskatchewan, very quickly, the band that does our theme song, Library Voices, announced this week they have a new album, Lovish, coming out November the 6th. So make sure you go check oh, that out. Oh, and I should mention my uh, appearance on Canada's Smartest Person is November 15th. And while we're at it, <laughs> Amazon Student, oh, the yeah. same as Amazon Prime. You get free two-day shipping, unlimited photo storage. It's available only to university and college students. It's free for six months. After six months, 50% off Prime. Amazon.ca slash student. There we go. You want to touch each other's bag? Or Stevie Gorman? Stevie, we ready? Yeah. Him and Jim are catching up there. Okay, Steve Gorman, former Black Crows drummer, now Fox Sports radio host, is our guest this week. We've wanted to get him on for a long, long time. Um, yeah, Black Crows drummer. Host of Steve Gorman Sports on Fox Sports Radio. Follows Jay Moore's show. Um, worked with Warren Zevon. Whoa. I mean, he's work, He's in a band with Joan Osborne right now called Trigger Happy. He's a really interesting cat. Really interesting guy and a great sports radio host. What I find so, I think, I can't remember who pointed this out. Was it you or Botticello? Like, it's almost like the Taggart thing. Famous drummer becomes sports radio guy. You know what the drummers are? The drummers are like the back catchers and uh, the goalies. They, they see everything develop in front of them, so they have the best perspective. Who's that uh, call-in radio guy, the Blue Jays call-in radio guy? still works for him. Uh, Mike Wilner. Wilner. Wilner used to get so mad at people when they called catchers back catchers. It's not back catcher. It's catcher. <laughs> really, that really rubs me the wrong way. I back, when someone says back catcher, Steve, it's like, oh. I, I, if you guys want to go back bacon, that's totally cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the other thing. That's what we we don't call it Canadian bacon, right? We just call it back bacon. Well, right. I call it pea meal bacon. Hmm. I just call it good living. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, how are you? It's great to have you on. We've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Well, I'm I'm very well. Thank you for having me on. And 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 all you had to do is ask. I'm thrilled to be here. So take us uh, through how you became a sports radio host a little bit because uh, you were a drummer for the Black Crows. You still continue to work as a drummer. You're working with Joan Osborne in a band called Trigger Happy. And we're going to talk about your connection with our famous. Hold on, hold on, Trigger Hippie. I've got trigger happy here on my yeah. list here. Pretty big difference in those two in those two terms. Trigger hippie. I'm gonna just trigger down hi- Mike. You is see what we were fired. going for is the, <laughs> trigger hippie. The duality in between those two words and the playful, the landscape of uh, of of technique of the verbiage that we were 
trying to express through our no it's just it just sounded good so i think it sounds it. good i think it sounds how great. long does it take to come up with a band name like yeah. you guys sit you lock yourselves that, in a room that particular one was three seconds long because i said well the way our two uh ridiculous guitar players who don't care about anything but their own tone continue to solo <laughs> i think you should just call it trigger happy and then i went well actually trigger hippie's kind of cool and and that was it it was that's all it took how but, did you guys but, wait can i ask you this steve how did you guys come up with black crows well, we were uh, that band was originally called Mr. Crow's Garden because you know we really wanted no one to like our band name. <laughs> and, and after a few years of, of people saying Mr. Coast Guard, what? What'd you call that? Uh, we got a record deal and we were making the record, and the guys at the label said, you know, you should think about changing the name, which we had already been thinking of doing until they suggested it, and then suddenly it was a bad idea, and we said, no, we're Mr. Crow's Garden. And then we we took we made this big stand and we said no we're sticking with the name and then as soon as they said okay then we all went yeah but we hate this name what are we doing <laughs> and so but around Atlanta everyone we just referred we were referred to as the Crows and so right. we thought well I guess we'll just be the Crows and then that led to well there's six bands called the Crows in in America already with various spellings and they'll sue you and and so we said okay the something Crows and this is the true part of the story we had a, a legal pad and a sharpie. And we sat in the studio one day, and I wrote down all the suggestions, and everybody was saying, the something crows, the something crows. And nobody can honestly remember who said the black crows, but I remember writing it down, and the first thing I said was, well, what crow isn't black? That's the dumbest name I've ever heard. <laughs> and like three days later, we're like, well, I guess we'll be the black crows. That sounds pretty good. So uh, hopefully this isn't too sensitive a subject, but that band is no longer officially, or is there always a chance that you guys could maybe reconcile? I said I'll talk about anything except the Black Cross. Oh, God. Uh, no, that's kaput, baby. That's yeah. that's dissolved and uh, and and good riddance. And and we had a fine run, but it was time to go. Yeah, it's over. Okay, good to know. Um, now you're a sports radio host on Fox Sports Radio. How does that come about? That's go fascinating. Figure. It's amazing how far you can coast on charm, isn't it? You guys know that. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. trust us. One hundred. We don't even have that. Right, yeah, right. If it, well, to Americans, anything a Canadian says is really charming. Right, you guys, right. You figured that out by now. It's our super thick accents. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. I uh, I put on the Canadian filter, and I can't believe how well it works because I haven't missed a word. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I I was originally the original plan in life for the young eighteen-year-old Steve Gorman was to go to college and become a broadcaster. And wow. you did go to broadcasting school, right? I did. Yeah. I went to Western Kentucky University, and I was there for three and a half years. Uh, spent the entire time I was taking classes and and learning the trade, if you will, sort of. But what I was thinking the whole time was, well, what I really want to do is be in a band. I hadn't played drums yet, but in my head I'd been playing every day since I was five. So it was always something I felt like I could and should do. And when I got to college, I met a guy with a drum kit, and I said, hey, can I borrow that for a minute? And I sat down and started playing, and, and then I kept borrowing it and just got into a cover band with a few friends, and we just learned a bunch of Ramon songs. But as soon as I started playing like that, I really thought, I've got to try this. This is really what I've always wanted to do. I went into, I thought I'd be a sportscaster because I just love sports, but to be in a band, I mean, you can't start a band and go anywhere with that. That just was crazy thoughts to me. So, uh, But a few years into my college career, I was approaching diploma time, and I was panicked because I thought, well, if I don't try to do something with a drum kit now, I never will. So... A buddy of mine from Atlanta called and said, hey, I'm putting a band together. You're playing drums, right? And I said, oh, yeah, every day, all the time. I'm great. <laughs> and he said, well, let's do it. And so I, I did. I dropped out and I moved to Atlanta and uh, moved into a house with some buddies of mine. And then Chris Robinson, the singer of the Black Crows, was one of their friends. And that's how I met him. He actually picked me up at the bus station 
because his car was working that day. <laughs> so um, he's the first guy I met when I got to Atlanta, and within a couple months I started playing with he and his brother, and, and then that's, that took off there. So, But fast forward, when Sports Talk Radio started really blowing up around the mid and late 90s, every time I'd go in to do like the, the rock station interviews, wherever town I was in, if there was a sports talk show going on, I'd always say, hey, can I talk to those guys too? Because I was, re- I was always, I've been an obsessive sports fan, and I, would, I was fascinated by sports talk radio. I mean, to me, that was just something I associated with, like, New York City and Boston exclusively, but suddenly it was on everywhere. And I would sit in on those shows, and it was always something I'd, I'd love to do. And, and, you know, when you're a musician, if you know anything about sports, they just treat you like you're a genius. So it was always <laughs> kind of funny. You know, I'd, I could complete a sentence, and I remembered you know, like who started for the Orioles in 82. So I was like a, you know, savant or something. And I moved to Nashville in 2004 and in Nashville, Tennessee, to go to a sports talk station and say, I want to do a show where a bunch of musicians talk sports. They don't think that's a weird idea. Right. And that's pretty much what I did. And the guy said, okay, you want to start Sunday? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, true story. And I went, sure. And then, you know, a few days later, I was like, this is Steve Gorman Sports and I don't know what the hell I'm doing now. And now you're doing it nationally. So is it? Do you find it uh, more difficult to to play to a national audience, or as opposed to doing like sports talk radio can be such a regional thing, and it's yeah. right. No, it, yeah, it can be. And I mean, certainly locally, that that was when I was doing it locally, off and on, because I would then leave. I'd go. The Crows would go out on tour, and I'd come back in six months and say, "Can I do Sunday nights again?" You know, I was trying to build this thing over a few years. When I started the national show, the first few months was beyond bewildering because. You know, I went from doing a one-hour or a two-hour show by myself to suddenly it was a three-hour show and I had a co-host who's my cousin and who had worked for the Crows for years and then who had been with the Indianapolis Colts as one of their in-house broadcasters. So he had a history with that. And we have a great rapport, but we'd never done this together. And I'd never done national radio and, you know, thrown in way over our heads. But luckily, the you know, the, the, the people that, that hired us and supported us thought, no, you guys are going to – they told us. You're going to suck for about a year. Just don't quit and see what happens. And then, you know, around six, eight months in, we started feeling like we had a handle on it, you know, where I didn't go home and, and freak out every day. And then now, you know, it's a year and a half in, and, and we're, having a, we're having a blast. I mean, we really – this is a really fun thing, and it's, it's turning into everything I'd hoped it would be. Circling back to the 1982 Orioles, was the answer Mike Flanagan? <laughs> Flanny was around, absolutely. That was Earl Weaver's last run, if you remember. Oh, Earl. God, oh, they don't make him like that anymore. I, I well, gentlemen, I'm spe- I'm speaking to you in my studio, and there's an Earl Weaver jersey hanging right over my shoulder as well, we as we have. Was this he the last manager to to smoke darts in the uh, in the dugout? I don't think so, but he did it with more panache than anyone since. I think Larry Boa was channeling Earl Weaver last night, actually. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, you know what? You could only hope to channel Earl Weaver. Um, Steve. This is going to be interesting for our Canadian listeners. They always ask us, you know, is hockey, what's hockey like down there and how's hockey doing? And like you've been in Nashville now for for a while. So from a local's perspective, how much do people talk about the Predators? Is that that the one with the ice? Oh, yeah. That's what we figured. The Predators are huge here. Really? Uh, Really? Oh, guys, they sell out every game. It's 14,000 people every game. This is absolutely true. Now, I've, I've been here 11 years, but I grew up in Kentucky, an hour north of here. So I've known Nashville really since I was 10 when I moved there from Baltimore. But when the Preds got here, it was a city full of transplants, and the Predators immediately became a lot of people's second favorite team. You know, everybody from Detroit still liked the Wings, and everyone from Chicago still liked the Hawks. And, you know, so everybody liked the Preds unless their real team was in town. 
And then over the first four or five years, that was the case. And then over the last decade, though, I mean, it's there's blue and gold everywhere you go downtown Nashville year-round. And during season, it's it, it's it's really kind of mind-blowing because, I mean, I, I've been in a lot – I've traveled all over, and I've been in hockey towns, you know, and seen them. And it's it's if there's fourteen thousand people in the in the arena, there's maybe thirty thousand people that really care. But half of them are at every game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's and and in the downtown area, it's everywhere. And the local ice times, the youth hockey scene in this city is ridiculously. It's just blowing really? up huge. That's unbelievable. Oh, I, wow! Absolutely, hand to my heart. It's way bigger than people think. A lot of people come here and think, oh, I'll just pick up Preds tickets when we get there, and, and you can't. They're, they're not there for you. It's not Phoenix. <laughs> not, 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 in, not in the least. And it helps that they were pretty good, you know, not right away, but they, didn't, they weren't terrible. They've never been awful. You know, they've always been okay. They've had a few playoff teams. And then right now they've got really, really – they've got great uh, young talent coming oh, up. Sure. And, and the, the run this past year, you know, they caught the – unfortunately the Hawks got healthy – and and you know we hit the eventual champs in the first round, but you know there there were it's it's if this this team ever makes it deep into the playoffs, the city will be on its side. Steve, an actual question about Nashville. Everyone always says, "Oh, you got to go to Nashville, yeah, the the live music scene." But is it kind of like Disneyfied? Disneyfied? Is it is it no. kind of Disney for adults now, or is it still Nashville? No, no, you can still like like the Broadway, the main you know Main Street downtown, Lower Broad. There's a strip that is being Disneyfied as we speak. I mean, someone's doing something right now that's really tacky and stupid. But but inside every other honky tonk is still an honest to god Nashville scene happening, and it's really way beyond country music. There's so much live music here of all genres that uh, if you spend a couple days here, a couple three or four nights, you know you'll see you'll see three or four things that blow your mind if if you got the right guy taking you around. Okay, Steve. It is time for. Are you ready for our rapid fire segment, Steve? I, I got. Can I go first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, two questions. Oh wait. Oh wait. Before you do it, Steve, we have to do our our little stinger intro. You're gonna love this as a radio guy. Here it is. Rapid fire. <laughs> we blew our budget on that. That's all we have. That that was awesome. Is there any way? <laughs> is there any way you could do it again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Rapid fire. <laughs> Second time. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Rapid fire. SCTV or kids in the hall? Oh, God. That is so tough. I have to go SCTV because I kind of grew up with it yeah, more. Yeah. yeah. They were the original. I mean, that's a very difficult question. I know. I just, I love asking Canadians that question because it truly, there's so much angst in, in everyone's answer, as well there should be. It's almost like we don't want to offend the members of each troop. Of course. I know. <laughs> like I they're know listening. That. I know that about both of you. I know that automatically, and that's why I had to ask. That's lovely. Uh, that is a good question. Okay, so most of our – we're going to uh, have our, our fan questions actually – our rapid-fire questions come from the fans. So uh, Mike here, who who can almost read. We'll yeah, read Steve, you got to pay close attention yeah. because it takes him about eight minutes to read <laughs> one question. Got it. Got okay. it. Okay. This is from Luca Capone. Uh, do you have a favorite artist or album to listen to while prepping for the show? No. I have – thousands of favorite artists and albums to listen to while prepping the show. Okay, so so one album, you're deserted on a desert island, you can take one album, what is it? Cow. <laughs> I hate questions one. like yeah. that. Just right, one, um, Steve. Okay, I got, I got one album. I'm taking uh, Days of Wine and Roses by the Dream Syndicate. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, in, one, in literally one minute, I'll answer something like entirely different, but right now, that's what I'd take. The Dream Syndicate. I've never heard of that. I band. like that. 
Very nice. Okay, next question. Uh, that fan, sends fan Sam asks, can you pee over a house? Can I pee over a house? Yeah. Is this a, like a Lincoln Log house? In that case, absolutely. It's, I think <laughs> when it's, I was younger, I, pretty much I'd try at any house. Right now, you know, older guy, prostate, nah, not a Yeah, chance. it's tough now. Nah. Yeah. Okay, Ian McNaughton asks, what's the best city to perform in? Glasgow, Scotland. Really? Are they just nuts? Is that what yeah, it is? But it's, there's, it's, they're like the Border Collie fans. There's dogs, and then there's Border Collies. <laughs> there's the whole world, and then there's Glasgow. And wow. There's nothing, nothing comes close. Wow, music just musically or just in general? Yeah, like, musically. When you're at the gig, you just you know every you know you just you get there and you're like, wow, this is what it was like to be in the Beatles. Okay. Amazing. All right. Uh, Richard Head wants to know what's your best pickup line. He's desperate. That's right, Richard Head. So Dick Head. Dick well, Head. the last time I used it, this would have been a good thing to say. Uh, hey, have you seen Twin Peaks? I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I've, I've been married for 21 years and together 25. So we got to go back to 1990 for a pickup line out of me. Okay, one more from Mike here. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, this is from Chris Bielby. Do you have a connection to Engineer Jim? Here we go. It's a game we play six degrees of Engineer Jim's. And, uh, uh, there, there's one degree. What are you kidding? Yeah. There's, yep. there's, there's, I mean, we, we've spent hour, many, 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 many an hour in, in recording studios together. Yes. And let me tell you something, Steve Gorman can lay it down. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Listen. So where did it start? Where did you guys first meet? I want to say that the first time we met was at the alley in the San Fernando Valley. That is correct. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. We were that, re- would have been, that would have been November of 1993, but oh, God, who can remember? Wow. wow. That's really Wow. That is And impressive. do you remember who was in the studio next to us? Uh, I believe it was Flea and Chad from the Red Hot Chili. That is correct. (laughs) Wow. Good memories. Nice work, fellas. Steve, how many drum kits do you have? Right now I have seven. Seven? Where the hell do you keep them all? Yeah, where do you keep them? At a a place. (laughs) (laughs) At a drum place. (laughs) It is. It's a drum place. I don't keep them. I have one in the studio here at the radio show. I have uh, six over at a place. Wait, do you play your drums on your show? Yeah, all the time. Oh, that's awesome. By, by all the time, like once a month when I think to. Now, let's get back Love to it. Jim here. So you're in, the, you're in the San Fernando Valley. Yep. And you're, not, you're recording an album together? How did, yeah, like, we, started, we started with a lengthy pre-production. We were about to make our third album, as history would recall, the difficult third album. Yep. And yep. Uh, we, we got to the valley, and, and Chris and Jim had, had met and done some stuff together. And he said, I got the guy. And we said, cool. So I was still living in Atlanta then. Flew out to L.A. and we spent a month or two putting a million songs together uh, at the alley. The alley's a rehearsal space out. Where is it? Like North Hollywood? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we moved over to a place called Conway, which is in Hollywood, Hollywood, and made a record there. We were interrupted by the Northridge earthquake of 1994. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what everyone knows Northridge for. The January 17th, 1994. But who can remember? Like I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we had just left the studio. I mean, I just walked in the door of my house when that earthquake that, hit. We would have been in the studio yeah, normally. That was the that one hit. night that we actually had taken on. You were That's still, correct. Some of the guys were doing overdubs, but I wasn't there. It was the one night in a month I wasn't there. That was the first night. That's was, right. Yeah, in like a month straight. The first time in a month I was asleep at 4.30 a.m. And yeah. let me tell you something. That was not fun. No. <laughs> 
Yeah, no. I don't want to experience that while living. You here. really don't. You that, really don't. And by the way, you're in the wrong city if you don't want to experience that. Yeah, you, you know, know we'll die eventually. You guys were at the marquee or something, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Three twenty nine. Yeah, marquee. baby. Go, go, go! Knock on the door sometime. Yeah. Last rapid. And here, here, fun fact. What? Who was in the room next door to me? Christopher Reeve. What? Superman. At, when the and earthquake. And fun fact hit. number two: when the earthquake shook for what felt like forever. And I was freaking out and hyperventilating and losing my mind. And my first thought was, I'm being rolled. Someone's in my room and they're mugging me. That's literally what I woke up thinking. Like, I'm getting beat up by somebody. And then I thought, God, they're huge. Thank God Superman was next Did you door. dive under a bed or anything? No, I jumped up and I got in the doorway. Like, there was, like, French doors and one door was locked in place. And I stood in the doorway and I was thinking, like, well, this actually was the smart thing to do. I must have read a pamphlet once. <laughs> and, and, and when it ended, I went out to the hallway. It was pitch black. And I was freaking out. And Johnny Colt, our, our old bass player then, he came out of his room next door, and we, like, felt through the dark and got each other, and we were both freaking out. And I found the exit door. I walked down a flight of stairs into a courtyard, and, and this, is, this is just the most weirdest. You know, it's like a bad David Lynch movie scene. I'm coming down the steps, and it was really chilly. It was January. And I saw a little girl, and she was kind of shivering, and she looked alone. And I was like, oh, my God, that kid's probably scared to death. And I walked over. And I had grabbed a blanket off my bed, and I said, do you need a blanket? And she turned around, and it was Bjork. What? Yeah. <laughs> what the and hell? Was, and, and I'm fine. You know, like, in, in that state of mind, it was really like a dream sequence. And I looked, and I was like, is that Bjork? She's like, no, I'm fine. Thank I'm you. okay. I'm okay, Steve. And she's like, wasn't that amazing? It was like riding a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like one step away. And then she away floated from, away. I, I was so terrified of this event. And I'm looking wow. at her, and I was like mad. I was like, yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy it myself, Bjork. Wasn't she? Didn't she have like a swan nightgown too? No. I'm she, I, I, fun fact. Fun fact. Not a nightgown. Just a slip. There you go. Oh, uh, the final York. question of rapid fire, Steve. Can you recall when you first heard a recording of yours of any song where you said, "Yep, this is going to be a hit"? Yes. What song? It was "Jealous Again" from the first album, and we had made the record, and we had the record, and we were listening to it a million times for the few months that we were waiting for it to come out. But listening to it on your own stereo is one thing. But honestly, the first time I heard it on the radio, I was sitting in the band van in like a Home Depot parking lot, and it came on, and I tur- and we turned it up. There was a few of us in the van. We turned it up like really loud. And and something about hearing it on the radio, because we had people from the label saying, hey, man, stations are really into this. We're going to get a lot of radio play. And I just didn't believe that for any strike, stri- you know, for that was like beyond my wildest imagination. But honestly, the first time I heard it in a van on the radio, I went, Boy, that thing just cracks, doesn't it? I, I really thought, like, that's going to make a lot of people excited. And it turned out that that was the case. I wish None more so than our Canadian audience. That's the first place we ever went gold. Really? Amazing. I saw you, Steve, in Edmonton. It would have been about 94. It would have been after the after Southern Harmony. I would have seen 90, that. that was spring of 93. Right. With, the, with all the lights and all the good stage stuff going yep. on, and yep. we still cared. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you were still into it then, Steve. It was yep. good. Yep. And once a song is mixed, do you just get behind Jim and you say, okay, crank that about 50 times? Dude, yeah. Well, trust me. I, I wait till it's mixed because I got about nine seconds for a mix session, and then I am done. <laughs> Nothing more boring on the planet. Yeah. But wait, wait. I, I, I kid you not, if you put a stripe of paint on a wall, I will watch it dry before I sit in a mix. <laughs> but wait, you guys worked together after that, after Amorica? Yeah, we did. We were there. That was like yeah. fall and then in the 94. And then we, 
the last time I saw Jim Mitchell was in 2002 during the Giants-Angels World Series, and we were recording. Jim was working at Billy Bob Thornton's studio with, with BBT and said, hey, come play on some tracks. And I went over, and we did a couple days of recording, and we ended up doing a track with Warren Zevon that made it on his last album. That would be a song called Knocking on Heaven's Door, you may have heard. Yeah, now, it was awesome. Man. Yeah, tell us it's about that. What was it like working with Zevon? It, it was the most phenomenal experience it completely unexpected and billy bob thornton was on my show last week and of course it's just what we talked about like how amazing was that moment i mean jim you may have known he was coming by i didn't i we were just at billy's for a few days working yeah and and it, we were kind of wrapping up the session it was like it was late you know 10 30 11 maybe even midnight and we were sort of winding down, and then Warren and Billy had been friends, I guess, for years. And he was, uh, this was after he had already announced to the world that he was terminally ill. Yeah, that's right. And he just walks in the studio, and I looked over, and I've been a huge fan forever. And I just immediately was filled with the most bittersweet, oh my God, there's Warren Zevon, and he's dying. You know, just yeah. what a sad thing. But, but he just came in and sat down and started talking, and he was just hilariously funny and dark and it was all gallows humor but it was for our benefit and his and we just he just we just shot you know just told stories for a solid hour and he had said and at one point he goes well i saw dylan last night i went to see him and and he did like five of my songs and we're all laughing and warren goes i mean i didn't recognize any of them <laughs> because they had to keep telling me hey that's one of yours that's one of yours and you know, and he said, uh, but he goes, so I'm figuring I got this record just about done. I, I should probably throw one of Bob's songs on there. And someone in the room said, I remember, I don't remember who it was, but I remember someone going, oh, I guess you got to do Knocking on Heaven's Door, like sort of as a joke. And Warren said, that's that's what I was thinking, actually. And, you know, like no joke intended at all. No, really, I'm going to sing Knocking on Heaven's Door. And I just got up and walked to the kit like, okay, before anyone changes their mind, let's do this right now. And everyone ran into the room. And we talked about it for 30 seconds. The, here's the changes. And it was literally, okay, so like do an intro, band kicks in, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo, chorus out. Cool? Yeah, go. And we just did it once. Yeah, that was it. You know, I, I could I could be mistaken, but I thought it was Tommy Shaw maybe that suggested it because Tommy played guitar on that too. Yeah, he did. Is Tommy Shaw played guitar and John Waite was there. And John Waite was there. And so... We did, uh, after we cut it, those guys did backing back vocals, vocals on the track. That was like the only all that night, it was unbelievable. What a great experience. We, we, we played the song once, and Warren sang it live. And I'm sitting at the kit, and I'm watch I can see through the vocal booth. And he's literally like struggling to get his breath in yeah. between lines. I mean, yeah. he was in bad shape. And he sings it. And if you, li it's on the wind, his last album. If you listen to it, Towards the end of the song, when he's saying, open up, open up the gates for me, I mean, he was really howling that into the mic with all the breath he could muster. And it was, it was, it, it's really kind of indescribable, the, the emotion in that room. Yeah. And we, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a little video. If you, there's a thing on YouTube, like the making of that track with a little bit of footage of it, actually, that That's you can right. find pretty easily. It was, it was amazing. And then when, once Warren left, we all just stared at each other and, you know, the sun was coming up by the time I walked out and I, I drove home that you know, it's six in the morning, and I just remember driving, driving home, just in absolute disbelief that that had just happened. And of all the songs to play with a guy at a certain time, it was really a pretty amazing experience, and and totally unexpected. And and of course, that made it even more mind-boggling. Yeah, it was. What a, an amazing experience! One of the coolest 
like most heartfelt experiences I've ever had in the studio. Yeah. Really, it was unbelievable. It really was. Steve, you're the first guest ever oh, on our podcast. Are you guys still here? I thought <laughs> it was- <laughs> we're just we're just listening. You're okay. the first guest to ever bring up Superman Bjork and Engineer Jim in a in a uh, appearance on the podcast. So we appreciate it. Hey, good right. company. Cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I do what I can, gentlemen. Uh, Steve Gorman Sports is on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, the band is Trigger Hippie. And uh, it was terrific having you on, my friend. Hopefully you can uh, join us uh, again. We can talk Predators hockey maybe in the middle of the season or something like that. We certainly can. The, uh, there's a rumor that we'll be in L.A. in this fall doing uh, doing a show from HQ, if you will, for a week. Ooh. So if that's the case, I'll come by and crash. And, yes. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I honestly will. Well, Dan has has room at his uh, his apartment. Just a FYI, a baby sh- in the pool and there's crack uh, crackheads outside but it's LA that's normal I've been there it yeah. ain't nothing new man yeah hey thanks very much Steve we appreciate it you got it thanks fellas love you Steve Steve Gorman uh, he's got a voice where you, you can't help but listen I love it some people's voices you don't want to listen yeah like mine yeah kind of yeah <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. Yeah, he he does have a terrific voice. And uh, his uh, his earthquake story uh, terrifies you. I might not sleep tonight. (laughs) Yeah, you're terrified of the earthquake. I just feel like I wanted to tear my teeth out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. If it's coming, it's coming. Hey, how about we uh, touch our bags? It's time to touch their bag, the J and Dan mailbag. <laughs> I like that one. Scott Westby. Hey, Bods, on last week's pod, you noted that Americans don't seem to call extended weekends long weekends, but rather three day weekends. Rest assured that here in North Dakota, a long weekend is a common phrase. Maybe that's because we are essentially Canada's basement. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> this one's from Gary Kosiak. Subject is Canadian invention. And remember, uh, you visit jandan.com, upper right-hand corner. You can send us an email. We love jandan.com? jandan.com. All right. Dear Jay and Toolsy, big fan of the pod from up here in Abbotsford, British Columbia. I just listened to every episode of the pod in under three weeks. Makes my mundane job as a house painter a lot more tolerable. Now, as a proud Canadians and sports fans... Again, I'm reading what he wrote. I was wondering if you could give a shout-out to all the competitive five-pin bowlers, such as myself, across Canada, it being one of three Canadian-made sports. Thanks, and keep up the hilarious work you do. See, I mentioned that to someone, uh, Danny, who's one of our stage managers. Uh, I said, yeah, I usually just go play a five-pin with the kids. He's like, what the is that? He doesn't know what that is. Yeah, Americans, you guys don't play five-pin bowling, like with the little bowling balls? They call duck it pin, duck right? pin, right? Yeah. A duck pin? No, it's five-pin. But we do have it. Do you play it? Not around here. Uh, quarter, of, quarter of the hour? Quarter till. Quarter till. Brent Chisholm. <laughs> Hi, guys. Big fan of the pod. I look forward to it each week. Like Jay, I'm a new father to a four-month-old beautiful baby girl. Growing up in Nova Scotia, Canada, I was surrounded by guys. My parents had four strapping young boys. When we were young, my parents called our penises woggy, <laughs> and we didn't have a co-word for a vagina because we Have you ever seen a pig's penis? It. Now that I have my own little bundle of joy, I don't know what to call our private parts. Should I go with the medical term or have a cute little code word? Thoughts? Medical term. I say cute little code word, and that's little cooter pouch. No, you go, I go medical term. Hey, the baby's little cooter pouch is pissing. <laughs> <laughs> but my JJ is cleaning. 
Do not use Vajayjay. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Kotick N. Subject is the brass rail. I sure, uh, recently went on a trip with some of my pals to Toronto. I live in Vancouver. As it was the first time for most of us in the T-Dot, and being the fine young gentleman that we are, we immediately tried to seek out the best local gentlemen's clubs. We came across the brass rail, and I immediately pointed out that I'd heard you guys recalling it with fond memories on the pod. What? We, we decided to try it out and never look back. We gorged ourselves on $20 dances for the entire week. We were in Toronto and loved every minute of it. Thanks for the tip. Keep up the good work. Now, I think that's terrific, but the entire week? Maybe get out and meet some <laughs> girls that aren't strippers? I give up. Hey, strippers are people too. I agree. Levi Arnold. My name is Levi, an, Amer- an American listener from Virginia. You guys rock. Try to censor that, Mike. I have two bands for Engineer Jim. Three Days Grace. And Slipknot. Three Days Grace. Three Days Grace. The lead uh, lead singers from Peterborough. I don't know if they're still together. I've been stumped. I Ooh. don't think I have a connection to either band. Yeah. Slipknot's obscure. tough. Slipknot is one of those hardcore, like uh, the Insane Clown Posse. They wear like the the masks and stuff. I have See, a connection to Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> yeah! Let's hear that. Let's hear that. Their fans are Juggalos? The Juggalos. Yeah, the Juggalos. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did a record with those guys. Um, you know, again, Slash played on some stuff. It it was nuts. Uh, one of the guys was, I don't think he was there at all. He was in jail the whole time. I can see them not being sober for a, a half a second. One yeah, of the guys was, was in crazy. jail. Yeah. It, what, what did you do on that album? Oh, that was the one I was in jail. He it, literally we were in the studio for weeks and uh he was never there. He was in prison. <laughs> did he did he have did he have a part in the album? Did they record anything from him in jail? Yeah, no, it, it, he his stuff made its way on there. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, I love that. Hey, uh, Jeremy Taggart, uh, did you were any of the members of Our Lady Peace in jail during the recording of any of your albums? Uh, I did a night in the in the clink, <laughs> in that bar in California. Oh yeah, in the clink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the hell were you in for? I got thrown in for uh, for. Uh, well, they thought I was banged up, but I was on Manhattan Beach. And uh, I got rassled into a into a police car, and, and they kept me in for the night. Is that when you just finished the keg all by yourself? <laughs> it was around those times. Um, Good times. How are you, boy? Taggart, we just had uh, Black Crow's, former Black Crow's drummer Steve Gorman on the show, and we were yeah. noting that he had a very similar career trajectory as you. Like, he's, getting, he's in the sports radio biz now. Oh, he is? Yeah, he's got a that's, national sports radio show. That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't know that at all. He, uh, Us uh, drummers have a, an ear for sports. Well, Dan <laughs> brought up a good point. You're kind of like the catchers or the goaltenders. Like you, you, you think the game. You think the stage, maybe. I don't know. I think, yeah, well, the drummer has a lot to do with momentum and just kind of keeping. And, you know, you'll see if you have a, a band that's got a strong drummer that generally will lead based on dynamics and based on uh, just the feeling and the parts and stuff. So, yeah, there, there's, there's, a, there's a reason why they put drum lines and wars in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever run into a drummer, Jeremy, where, you're, where he's like, I don't want to be back here. I want to be at the front of the stage. Yeah, I'm Don Henley. 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know. Sometimes drummers become singers, you know, like yeah. uh, Mel Torme to, to uh, like you said, like even uh, Chris Cornell was originally a drummer. Oh, wait, Mel Torme was a drummer? Yeah, fantastic drummer, yeah. I didn't know that. The Velvet yeah. Fog? What's that? The Velvet Fog? Yeah, he could lay her down. <laughs> Who is, the guy from Night Court was big into Mel Torme, right? That was the, Harry yeah, to the point where he made a cameo on the show. Do you guys remember I that? remember that. That was like a yeah. big ratings hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Torme on Seinfeld, too? I hope so. Yeah, I think he was. Was it? And Kramer was like, had something frozen. And oh, was, remember? yeah. He had, the, he had just gone to the, the dentist. dentist yeah. And he was a special guest at a dinner because they thought he uh, was a challenge. Yes. <laughs> So Mel Torme took him under his wing. <laughs> the, like one of the only shows that I can still watch and enjoy. Oh, oh my God, the it's best! Cold. Never gets old. Our producer uh, Royce Dickerson, uh, who just who listens to to the podcast faithfully and just got engaged over the weekend. Congratulations, so congratulations, Royce. Um, nice. He told us the other day he's never seen a full episode of Seinfeld, and yeah. you talked to. I remember Peter Labardius, who used to be the Calgary Flames play-by-play -play man, also said never seen. When people never even seen an episode, I'm always like, what is... <laughs> Do they watch TV? Yeah, like, what happened there? Did you just... Well, maybe they, maybe they just... Watch it. They didn't get in on the, the ground floor, and they thought, ah, I gotta catch up, I don't have the time, but it's not a show you have to catch up on. Yeah, yeah no, that's, a, it's, that's the beauty of that show. It's like a great old show, like an I Love Lucy or Honeymooners. You can just, it can be on, and it's always gonna be funny. Uh, we have we have to talk Blue Jays, Tiger, because this team, I mean, over oh, the weekend, yeah. wow, what a, I mean, are you kidding? Here in Anaheim, just destroying a pretty good Angels team. <laughs> like hung like a mule, eh, Bob? <laughs> and like, and uh, producer Tim, he went to the Sunday game. We worked with him oh, on yeah, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. They're piling up the runs. He's like, no, I'm going to get there, and they're not going to score any runs. And they score like 12 on Sunday. Yeah, or something. yeah. 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 <laughs> classic producer Tim. He's like, he literally tweets it out. Well, I guess they've, they've blown their wad in games one and two of the series, and they'll have nothing for me when I show up tomorrow with my ticket to see baseball. Oh, woe is me. So it was almost like he wanted them to lose, and then they, kind of. they crushed them, and then he's like, oh, well, it's not as fulfilling. No, but then, but then, so they're down right on Sunday, and he's like, oh, see, I told you they're going to lose. And then they come back and went, oh, never in doubt. I always loved the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> Good guy to have on a survival island. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> We're going to die. <laughs> yeah, he would be the worst. Your boat capsizes. More we're dead. I guess we might as well not even try to survive. There's no way I can get up that tree to get the coconuts. <laughs> but fish are literally jumping onto the beach, Tim. Yeah, but we can't make a fire. I'm hot. I don't like sushi. <laughs> I don't like sushi. <laughs> no salt. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't believe I get to eat like this every day. The Jays are just on fire, man. It's it's unreal. Yep. God, it must be it must be a lot of fun to be up there, right? Play ball. It it's so everybody's so fired up. And and then I saw in an article uh, Rogers turning a profit uh, since uh, the the Jays started playing well. Yeah, because yeah. It, you think you know what? Yeah. When you have a first place team, people show up. Yeah. Yeah. No, and they they're not only filling the dome, they're 
they jacked up the prices for the playoffs, and uh, people are buying them too. So it just uh, shows that that if you win, all that other stuff happens. You can't do it the other way around unless you're the Leafs. And so, my my favorite part of all of it is uh, John Gibbons. Gibby's just along for uh, the ride. He's like, eh, this is, whatever. I'm gonna ride yep. this one out. Yeah, I'm, he's he's <laughs> loving it. He's got his little stand up lamp there. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't he have like a hammock in the in the dugout? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> like Gibby. big big stem of like a hay seed coming out of his mouth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we how, need someone to Photoshop that. How please. come there's not a Gibby reality show? <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, boys. Oh, Tagger, the best. It is. And then he comes stumbling out there and just. Like it, <laughs> just getting fatter by the probably second. Ta- probably, probably just says like, I'm going to hit Ponderosa after this game, boys. <laughs> yeah. Take the ball off him. <laughs> Ponderosa. Gonna get me some steak good, dip. A good steak. Oh, I love the Ponderosa. They used to play the old movies while you're having dinner, and it felt like you're in an uh, like uh, the the little house on the prairie house. Yeah, and even you had guys that had Michael Landon hair working there. <laughs> in fact, I think it was Michael Landon. No, no, I'm not him. I just look a lot like him. I'm between jobs. <laughs> Highway to Heaven hadn't started up yet. <laughs> What was that show? He was just like walking around and he was saving people. And then he, he was, was an angel. He was an angel, and then he'd just go from town to town like the littlest Toba. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And then he would, but he'd be like right away, like, "Hey, how's it going? I'm yeah, an angel. I'm an angel." And then he had <laughs> that tell everybody. And who was that guy with him with the A's cap? Remember the guy with the beard? <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah. had the A's cap. And at the beginning of the show, it was like. Just landing, just walking down a random highway, and the guy with the A's cap picks him up, and they smile at each other and drive <laughs> and off, and that's the show. He's, he's cast as, like, the ultimate skeptic, right? <laughs> right. So really, I don't know if you're an angel. If you look back, it's probably Michael Landon and the guy in the angel's hat just uh, cap, just driving around smoking PCP. Or remember how at the end of it, they'd always be like this and saving like the kid. They, they, I don't know. They somehow would make them trust or like I already knew everything was going to be working out. Or I can't remember how ridiculous it was, but it was always some insane event at the end of the show that they save. Or it would be like, like you know who else would be good in that role? Producer Tim. Oh, I don't know if you're an angel or not. <laughs> I don't care if you made the bread turn to fish. Yeah, I've only seen a few miracles. I'll have to see a few more, Michael Landon, before I decide if you're really an angel or not. Oh, man. How do I know you didn't rig that lake so you could walk across it? Uh, Jeremy Taggart, uh, Taggart. Uh, thanks for visiting, Bob. We missed you. I'm so glad we could get to Ponderosa, boys. <laughs> thanks, Bob. Have a good day. See boys. See you later. That is, uh, hey, two drummers on the same show. That was, a, that was a fun time. That was fun. Jim, I'm glad uh, you guys got to reminisce a little bit about the Zevon experience. Well, yeah, it was great. How long have we gone here? Do we have time? About an hour. We're about an hour. How about we do uh, one more uh, Six That's Degrees? Right. Yeah, Cause yeah, yeah one more played, Six Degrees. We never even played the theme. Yeah. Oh, can we play it? Sure. A lot of music on this pod today. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to get back into this one because it ties back how the guy from Linkin Park is the new lead singer of STP. So someone, uh, Dan Fury, wanted to know if uh, Engineer Jim had a connection to Scott Weiland or STP or maybe both. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Patrick. Yeah. Patrick, you were supposed to cut Jay's response. Remember a big loop of him saying yes. <laughs> okay. Um, Next thing. So I, I, I have a few connections. <laughs> Patrick is going uh, to go find producer. He's hiding. Now. He's hiding. So uh, back in the day, I was actually up to produce their first album and uh, went and met with the band when they were opening for Ice Tea and Body Count. Oh, hold on. Alice across the street from uh, Capitol Records. So the bill is Ice Team Body Count and ST and Stone Temple Pilots. Wow. Yeah, that'd be two different sets of uh, fan bases. But, but Body uh, Count was yeah. hardcore. Body rock and roll. Count was hardcore. Yeah, hmm. and uh, Ernie C, the guitar player in Body Count, uh, is a friend, and uh, he's really good friends with Duff, and he played on Duff's record and stuff. The, it, it's really cool. Very quickly, but, when you say Ernie C, I know Canadians think of Ernie Coombs, Mr. Dressup. But that's oh, not that's a different, Ernie. different Ernie. Different Ernie. Sorry, yes. go on. Go on. You... Uh, so, uh, so met with the guys, but uh, Brendan O'Brien wound up uh, doing that record, who's a wonderful producer. Done a bunch of Pearl Jam uh, records. Yeah, and, and stuff, actually yeah. had just finished doing the Black Crows, and that's how he got the gig with Stone Temple Pilots. It oh, okay. Was, I think it was even before Pearl Jam. He got the Pearl Jam gig from Stone Temple Pilots. Okay. And then, um, uh, and and my former manager Juliana is actually married to Dean DeLeo, the guitar player in Stone, Stone Temple Pilots. No way! And Scott Wheeland uh, bought a house about ten houses up the street from me. What's and, going uh, on in that house? Uh, yeah. And, <laughs> because him and the band members do not like they used to travel on separate buses. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, I don't know. He he's lived he lived in my neighborhood for. Uh, he just sold the house like I don't know, maybe in the past year. But uh, he he lived there for I don't know three or four years, maybe in kind of his off and on dark period yeah. <laughs> uh, when he was in and out of uh, Velvet Revolver. Right. Right. So. Uh, I, yeah, I have a connection to him. And uh, did you ever see him? Yeah, out like, about like the neighborhood? Yeah, that's a great question. Was he walking his dog? N- never. No, no. What, what? It was. Uh, you know, I'd see him at the house here and there, but uh, no, uh, he he wasn't one for strolling around the neighborhood or anything <laughs> like that. If he did, it wasn't when I was out. That's for sure. <laughs> huh. But All right. yeah, and. Uh, um, he, you know, it's it's very interesting because uh, when Velvet, before they were Velvet Revolver, um, and they were auditioning singers, and they auditioned a lot, a lot of singers. Um, I was uh, I didn't go to a lot of their rehearsals and auditions, and they would literally get boxes of CDs and tapes from people around the world sending them stuff. Uh, the day they made the audition tape for Scott that they sent to Scott, I happened to be there that day and made the tape with Adam Day, who was uh, Slash's guitar tech, and 
was the guy that sent off the tape to uh, or CD to Scott to audition to that got him the gig. So, so how did it work? Like you had a backing track, and then yeah. you would just sing over and, it. Yeah, and he he took it, and he had his own studio with yeah. his own guys, and he put some stuff on it and sent it back to the guys, and he got the gig. There you go. Yeah, man, he was, he was a crazy guy. Yeah. He's a crazy guy. Hey, who's that good-looking guy? But kind of a weird, like, he, he should have had, like, a name, like, Star f- or something. Like, Scott Wheeland just sounds like your accountant or something. <laughs> He's like, got a hell, of a, wait, hell star, of a voice. He yeah. can sing. Yeah. Then please welcome to the stage our lead singer, Star <laughs> You remember that. Scott Wheeland, you're like, is that my accountant or the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots? I can't remember. Either way, he's a crazy with a great voice. Um, amazing, yeah. amazing front man, amazing voice, really super talented guy. It's just, I guess he has trouble kind of keeping it together, you know? Hey, just I think like we Dan. all do. Just we like all do. Dan yeah. here. Wait, wait, till, wait till Dan meets that uh, woman smoking the crack. I'll be like, hey, what are you doing in there? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> neighborhood watch. <laughs> Dan Looked at a few here. too many. I sample all the crack on this block. I see you smoking crack cocaine in that car. What well, kind of a society are we actually living? Let me into the vehicle. I want a puff puff of your cracky crack. Mark this on your calendars with a big red star. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say... Uh, a special hello to the Canada Smartest Person crew, all massive fans of the podcast. Um, one of them, my friend Jason Bourne. That's right. Really nice. And uh, Hi! So, yeah, a uh, special shout-out to them. Guys, thanks. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a fun show. It's been, been a very musical-heavy show. I've, I've had a great time just showing off the records I bought. Hey, I have this one at all. That's a good one, right? All right. Uh, on the back, I'm holding up a uh, Simon and Garfunkel album, and uh, Art right now is looking at uh, Paul Simon on the back. And says, "So we're good, right? We're uh, still we're gonna be together forever, <laughs> right? You're never gonna leave me." So which huh. which of these albums will you listen to first? I am uh, all alone tonight, and uh, after I masturbate, I will probably listen to Aftermath by the Rolling Stones. It's got painted black on it. I love that too. Right there. Nice. Great, great time. And then I'll probably listen to Time Fades Away. Neil didn't care what he played. Get your uh, get your pens out because uh, we want get you to get your penis. We want you to visit jandan.com. Uh, we've got the soundboard on there. We've got every member of the Canadian Wall of Fame. Is it updated? Jandan.com weekly. Sorry, I we don't your headset. <laughs> we'll have to get in uh, in touch with those guys. Yeah, uh, if it's not, it will be soon. We're yeah. Okay. Uh, you can visit uh, the podcast at Jay and Dan on Twitter and also on Instagram at Jay and Dan. Uh, we've got Jeremy Taggart at Taggart7. Engineer Jim's at Engineer underscore Jim. Micklehouse. Mike is under uh, at Micklehouse. Pat Muldowney's at Pat Muldowney. Who's... Oh, that's uh, that's uh, our guest, Steve Gorman's uh, Twitter handle, SGS. Fox. And speaking of Steve Gorman, thanks to crack researcher Mike Botticello <laughs> yeah. for writing down Trigger Happy, <laughs> the band name. You got the, spell, the spell check got me. <laughs> thanks for oh, checking that out, happy, Mike, yeah. and uh, making me look like an idiot. And he said he, we weren't supposed to talk about the Black Crows. Did anyone no, know No, no, he didn't mean that. He said that in jest. How do you know? Because I asked Dave, like who it. was right here, he said, Wow! <laughs> Thanks for throwing us under uh, the bus. Thanks a lot. You're worse than producer Tim. Oh.
Hardboy know the band's name is Trigger Happy. See you next week. Fox Sports Live. Fox Sports, Fox Sports Live. Live. The podcast is brought to you by Fox Sports Live. You what watch show. it every night. 11 every Eastern night. on FS1. So we don't call long Fox my time here is up. They're going home. Big Tasty. You can Snapchat me on 2 Chili Willy 19. <laughs> at Chili Willy. At, at 2 Chili Willy 19. I don't know what the f that is. K Bang. 2 Chili Willy. K Bang.